0: That is the Paper Kites playing at the Roadhouse, a venue and recording studio they built in the small regional Victoria town of Campbell's Creek, northeast of Melbourne, Australia. Here is band leader Sam Bentley to explain how they transformed an empty heritage building into an American-style roadhouse.
1: I know the seas, they change, and you know what I mean. At the Roadhouse is, is a record that was created around a residency that we played um, in a town called Campbell's Creek. So Campbell's Creek is, is a very small country, Australian town, just outside of Castlemaine. Some people may have heard of Castlemaine. It's um, about maybe like just under two hours from mm-hmm. Melbourne um, and it's beautiful country out there. And it's, it's um, kind of a, a gold mining town historically. But, uh, Campbell's Creek is, is kind of just outside of that town, very, very small town. Um, and we had been looking for a place for a while to, uh, do this, this idea that we had, which, which, which was essentially in its original form, an idea to play a series of, um, I'm going to say dive bars for lack of a better that, word. I mean, um, you know, obviously, you know, the, the American version of that, and what that means (laughs) Um, in Australia, maybe in the cities, you you have sort of dives and places like that, but less so in the country. I mean, you've got your RSL pubs and places like that, but they're not quite the vibe we were looking for. And that's why we were struggling for a while to find the right place to play. So the original idea was, you know, maybe we would go to the States, maybe we would tour these terrible dive bars kind of under the guise of a house band and just right. play these songs every night and, and let's make a record that way. Um, but then, you know, COVID happened and, and that idea kind of just got put on the back burner um, until we realized, I actually don't think it's right to go over there and do this record. I think we need to do it here at home. Um, and again, we were faced with like, it would be great to tour Australian pubs and, and play these songs, but it's not as romantic as it sounds you know some of these places out out in the outback um have been romanticized probably from your crocodile dundee films and things like that But (laughs) you know the reality is that they're they're um kind of rough and not not in not in a romantic way in in a kind of um this is not a great vibe sort of way so We just couldn't find the right place to play to do this resident, uh, sorry, to do this project that we'd thought about. At that point, it wasn't wasn't going to be a residency. Um, And then I think it was suggested, like, why don't we just find somewhere we can stay? Why do we need to move around from place to place? Why don't we just stay in the one place and people can come to us and we'll just play? Um, Which was a great idea in theory, but the requirements to do it was so niche and so specific, you know, not only would we need a space, but we would need to be able to record something that was decent enough quality to release as a record. Um, and I had heard about a studio in Campbell's Creek. It was like an all analog studio that this, uh, this guy, Alex Bennett ran, a place called sound recordings. Um, and so we drove to Campbell's Creek to have a look at this studio. And Alex was showing us the space and it's on his family's property. And at the front of the property, like literally right next to the, the main road is this kind of old building, kind of rundown building, um, very much. If you imagine kind of your, your stereotypical version of, of what, like a kind of gold rush era hotel would have looked like it's, it's kind of like that, but but right. a bit more rundown and overgrown. And, Alex was showing us the shopfront space. He said, you know, this isn't really used for anything now. It has been used for things over the years. It has been, uh, originally it was a gold mining supply store for, for the diggers back in the day. Uh, and then it had been a pub and it burnt down at one point, but the bones of the building still remained. And, and we said, like, what do you think about us maybe like turning this into a venue and, and just opening the doors and, and, playing here for a month, we would kind of record out the back in, in this barn studio that he had, but, you know, on the weekends, could we set this up as, as this dream venue we've thought of and and play these shows and he agreed. And, And so that's kind of how, how it came about. And we sort of set to turning this space, which was really, I mean, most of it was there. It really felt like this incredible, um, kind of lived in room, because right. it was, right. uh, but then it, it was just bringing in certain elements, taking those things from all the great dive bars, and you know, biker bars, and just things that we'd been to over the years from our travels, taking inspiration from all of that, and bringing it to Campbell's Creek to create right. a space. Right.
0: So what did the locals think
1: of all this? <laughs> well, I mean, in, in the weeks before it opened, you would get people kind of walking past, seeing all of the things that were being installed, knowing that something was going on. But we made a point not to advertise the shows, I think because we have quite a following in Melbourne. We we didn't want people necessarily traveling up from Melbourne and, and meaning that you know, it was such a small space. We didn't want to fill it with people that were fans of the band. We wanted to keep it very quiet and very local. Right. Um, so we didn't advertise it, and and really it was just word of mouth that, that happened to kind of fill these spaces. So, you know, the locals initially were very curious, I think, as to what was happening <laughs> to this space, because everyone knows the building, they drive past it every day going right. out that direction. Um, and we didn't have any signs up on the building to advertise. It was a show there. All we had was this kind of red light that would like shine down on the door. And that was the only thing to say that it was open and something was happening there. Um, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know if anyone's going to come to these shows. I mean, we haven't advertised it. It's it's really in a place that we're not necessarily known as a band, which was deliberate. Like, yep. we wanted to be away from um, anywhere that, that I think could have been, people could have come to a show thinking that it, it was something like a normal paper kite show and and that's what we're trying to avoid but um you know i wondered if people were going to come and the first night i think there was maybe like 15 20 people which was great you know i would have been happy to play to five people because that the idea was to have a room full of people that didn't know the band and didn't know our music and i think in those scenarios which is how it is when you start you know you you really you have nothing other than the music to try and connect with people and and so it is in a sense trying to prove something even though as a band like we there is nothing to prove necessarily because we we've worked very hard and we have a very very solid group of people that follow our music but something about getting back to <laughs> for, for lack of a better term like a room full of indifference. To the band right. and to the music, uh, there was something thrilling about that. I, th- I think it's those moments that you really find out what you can do as a musician. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So, and it so was I'm plan. curious
0: if they didn't know what to expect and they're hearing live music, were they like shouting out, "We want to hear Freebird or something? Or... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I had kind of prepared myself for heckling. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of what you would stereotypically come to expect from especially like country Australian towns you know yeah. they can sometimes be rough and you you can sometimes get that heckling I mean we've certainly been like brought up in that um and I, and I think i don't, I'm not sure how it is in New Zealand but certainly in the Australian scene when you're starting out it's very much like let's see what you've got kind of yeah. thing and, and you're coming up never taught to never get too big for your boots and and to be very humble and just play your music and don't be showy about it let's just do it so we have
0: the tall poppy syndrome exactly (laughs) exactly yeah
1: yeah so you know we were brought up in that kind of school so this this sort of scenario wasn't really foreign to us necessarily It, it had just been a while i suppose since we'd played shows where i guess the audience could be like that because it wasn't us that they were coming to see they were just at this bar or a bar, you know, a place that they thought was just a bar. Yep. Um, so you know, there was there was a little heckling. um, (laughs) But the good kind, you know, like, the kind where I think people were having a good time and enjoying themselves. Right? Yeah.
0: So let's talk about the songs. Now you've got 16 on this album, and you said there's more that are in the can. (laughs) So um, how did you come about deciding whittling it down? where did the songs come from? Was there something overall that was in your head that made them come out of you?
1: I mean, it's always a process, Marty. And I think, uh, I mean, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of songwriters who, (laughs) who say, you know, it's, it's never, um, I'm, I'm always very careful to, to not make it seem like writing a song is so easy and organic because it's not, it's, it's very thought out and the decisions you make are quite intentional. So right from the start, I mean, I I always enjoy kind of anchoring my writing to a concept. I know that that can come across a little gimmicky and and not so much like, why doesn't he just write a song (laughs) for the sake of writing a song, which I do do, but I just find creatively, I like being somewhat restricted to an idea because I feel like otherwise, my work wouldn't be very cohesive because I I love so many different things. I can get pulled in so many different directions. And, and even in this album, I mean, 16 songs, there is a fair bit of difference in some of the songs, but I like having, I suppose, boundaries sometimes in order to push against those boundaries. But, uh, for this album, I kind of knew that it, it should be very much a, um, Know, tribute or a homage to a lot of the great singer-songwriters that, that we had grown up with, and that we have come to to really um, hold dear. Right. So, and I, and I am hesitant to say it's Americana influence; it absolutely is, but um, you know, it's it's through the lens of where we live and and you know our own experience um, with this music, and and I mean, like all musicians, you take this stuff in and, and you filter it out um in your own way so it becomes australiana or or whatever you want to call it you know it's 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 through the lens of um our experience and and the way that we perceive these songs and these artists so you know i I sat down and and wanted to kind of write these songs very much in that vein but uh knowing that i wanted to keep it quite organic compared to some of the things that we've done before you know we we have records that are certainly, um, a lot more drum heavy and, and even like influences from, from the eighties and synthesizers and things like that. And then we have music that's very folk derivative. That's, that's what we've grown up in and that's what we love. So I think I wanted to keep it quite, um, organic in terms of instrumentation, you know, um, throwing back to a lot of the great bands of the seventies and (laughs) what kind of instruments were they using? Yep and and with that we realize we need more players in the band. Um, right. There's well, only I noticed the that you got a
0: pedal steel on Correct. the first track on Midnight Moon, right?
1: Yeah, there's pedal steel through the whole record, yeah, yeah. almost every song. Um which so is talk funny. It's about Midnight
0: Moon if you don't mind because sure. that kind of kicks the thing off and that. It does. It, it, yeah, it uh, takes into account what you're just talking about. That's
1: right. So and and funny funny enough that was the first song that was written for the record. Um ah. and yeah, I mean, the pedal steel situation is is very funny, because if you are wanting to play that kind of music, and that is to say any music with pedal steel, you are hard pressed in Australia to find a pedal steel player. Oh, really? <laughs> There's not many around. There, there isn't right. at least not many that I know of. Um, and so we were recommended. Uh, Matt Dixon, his name came up multiple times. He lives in Melbourne as well. Beautiful, beautiful player. Um, And so bringing him in, and hearing him play on the songs, everything just kind of, it just took on this, this new sort of, uh, I'm going to say a new feeling for us because we hadn't had that before, but Midnight Moon was the song that would sort of set the tone for the rest of the record because it was the first song that was written and, and everything seemed to be built off that song. But funnily enough, lyrically, that song was written before the Roadhouse had even existed um, back when we were thinking of of maybe touring it across the states and and doing it like that. So this song was written as a fictionalized version of what what this great bar could be, you know, without it existing. So it was just a song about a place that was called the Roadhouse. um, And and that's all it was. And that was all it was intended to be uh, until fast forward, maybe even like a year later, when we realized we're going to have to actually build this place ourselves, this song suddenly became the blueprint for that venue. Yeah. So if you go through the lyrics, you'll see it, it kind of paints specific pictures about, you know, the the mood of the space and even the location of it and what they were drinking. And we found we had to take all of those things and actually put it in the venue, even down to the name, we ended up taking the name from that song as well.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of mood, there's quite a mood on Black and Thunder, which uh, I think there's a video for that. Well, there's going to be a live video for all of them, isn't there? It's actually um,
1: there is. Yeah, it's it's a film essentially. We had someone filming um, the whole thing, all of the shows that we played there were all right. film So it's it's all been turned into a full feature length film. But each song, yeah, will have its own video, and that's just a, a documentation of you, right. you know the performance from that night.
0: Yep. Yeah. So uh so tell me about the mood setting the mood for Black and Thunder. It's kind of got a spooky vibe to it. <laughs> Some nice guitar playing in there too.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a credit to Dave Powers our, our resident guitar man. Black and Thunder. Oh. I mean, it's funny. People, I think, have have probably rightly so perceived us as um, a band that probably doesn't take off too much in terms of uh, you know guitar solos and, and things like that. I think right. we've we've kind of managed to stay in a pretty pretty simple box musically, and and that's not to say that the the music hasn't been. Um, you know, beautiful or great or anything like that. But I think we just haven't kind of taken the lid off because right. um, we haven't needed to. And the bar that we kind of hold ourselves at musically is is kind of, I think the capability and the skill is probably higher than what we, we show people, <laughs> which <laughs> I guess gives you room to move if you ever feel like taking it there. But we've been yep. pretty comfortable to just sit at a place that, you know, we're playing well as a band and we're not, you know, absolutely reaching to the limits of what we can do. But, um, you know, there are songs like black and thunder where there is a chance for someone like Dave to kind of jump out a little and, and show a little of what he can do. So, I mean, I'm, I love the blues. I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, kind of going right back, you know, we're talking like Robert Johnson and Helen Wolf and muddy waters and BB King, and even like guys like Peter green, some of those players, um, have really woven their way in, into what I find to be important and, and what I find to be great and soulful music. And so there hasn't been much of a chance to to pay homage to that influence. And and that was just a song that um, I thought, I, I feel like we need a song like this that kind of, you know, has a bit of that darkness and has a little soul on the record. Um, you know, can can we kind of go with a song like this. And it was a bit of a push to get it on the record. Oh, yeah. But that was the song you would play and people would so always who do you have to push against to get it on the record. <laughs> Fellow band members. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it,
0: does it work as a democracy? It does.
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. No, not sadly. I mean, <laughs> that's that's the reason that I think the records have turned out the way they have because it's not just me saying this is how it is. You know, I have to discuss it and and we have to agree as a band because it's not just me it's five people that care about the sound and care about the music and and so you know there are songs that that we do kind of push against each other with but it's it's all with the view to try and make a record as good as it can be so that song I think while the band was sounding great and sounding really cool like we all knew oh this isn't really something that we normally do and and Mm -hmm. there are certainly bands other bands that are doing this kind of music far better than us like who are we to be you know throwing a blues track at everybody but you know the inspiration and the influence is, is it's very deep and it's very real and, and even though we haven't been able to show it previously like it came very naturally to be able to play that kind of music and so I think when we played it live you know it it felt you know you could feel it around the room it was like this this kind of electricity of, of a band, kind of pulling the lid off a little bit and and letting it rip. Uh, if you don't mind the expression. Um, <laughs> no, that's yeah. Quite all right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now I'm gonna do one more track. I want to we won't go through all 16. But okay. One more uh, June stolen car. <laughs> a I can't uh, ignore the cowbell. And <laughs> can't let that go by. And of course, uh is it david who's singing a verse it as well? is yeah,
1: yeah. it is That's another song that, in a sense, kind of had no business being on this record, (laughs) but I don't know. I mean, if you take it lyrically, just music aside, it's a folk song, really. Like it's very much follows that same sort of uh, folklore of of storytelling and and, um, mythologizing is that the right word i think so yep I think um so. you know characters and stories and, and situations so it's it's very simple um in terms of its narrative just about a, a girl who steals a car with her boyfriend and and gets chased across the country right. um but when we came to doing the music for it i mean we were listening to all sorts of things that were influencing the band um the band being one of them Yeah. <laughs> You know like you'll hear you'll hear everything in there but neil young and and crazy horse was certainly in there i think that was a big influence for this song it's like let's just let's just do something that's gonna kind of blow people's hats off at least one song that we can kind of slam out a little bit so that was that song and then dave dave is a great singer he never gets to show that um he kind of only ever does backing vocals but you know that that was a song that we we thought why don't we just try this kind of dueling vocal thing see if it works and um it sounded great i thought and again this is a song that people were very unsure about um th- th- there's this thing that happens with us where we overanalyze everything as a group and we we very much are aware of um making decisions based on um what we think is is the right step forward and i think there was some concern that this probably wasn't necessarily a song that would gel with these other songs but i think it works for that exact reason it 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 needs a song like that to kind of um shake up the the beauty of the other songs if you will um (laughs) I love that you mentioned the cowbell as well, because I have memories of walking through the the percussion section of the drum store with the demo in my ear, trying to find a cowbell that that had a good tone to it. Yeah, it's been a long time since uh, a cowbell has made such a feature in a song. But yeah, I mean, the label would constantly talk about that song saying, I think we need to release this as right. you know, one of the first tastes from the record. And we thought, are you kidding? Like this is, this wasn't even meant to be on the record. And it's uh, just, uh, it's uh, funny. The songs that people gravitate to, Yeah, yeah. you yeah, have yeah. no control over it really.
0: Yep. Okay. So the record's out on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you got planned for the day? Anything exciting?
1: We do. Uh, we, uh, on the radio in the morning, I think, uh, yep. over at ABC. But that evening, we have a film premiere in Melbourne, oh, cool. which is, I, I feel like I have no business saying that I will be attending a film premiere for my own <laughs> film. I mean, that's just not the circles we move in. But it's just happened to work out that way. And, and the film is great. And we're yep. really excited for people to see it. So how, how
0: will people say in New Zealand
1: get a chance to see it? That is a good question. We're, we're trying that to is- work it out. I mean, we're trying to find uh, a home for it, if you will. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. just, just somewhere that people can watch it. Uh, because it is, it is something that I think you need to spend some time with and, and, have a little time to be able to kind of uh, digest it. So yeah, we will be letting people know as soon as we, we find out where okay. to put that film.
0: So, and I know you're heading back overseas, North America and whatever. Um, it's not that far over to here though. So is that in the cards
1: i hope so i hope okay. so we're, we're planning next year at the moment i mean the problem is we it's not so much a problem but we've been fortunate enough to to have people overseas in in sort of north america and, and europe and the uk that very much want to see the ban and yep. so we i feel like we're always traveling we yeah <laughs> sadly maybe don't pay enough attention to australian dates and new zealand dates but i think we're trying to all to right. remedy that yeah
0: all right very good all righty well thank you for spending so much time talking to me it's uh it's quite a listen and i'm guessing that the rest of those songs that you haven't put out yet are going to be showing up somewhere in the relatively
1: near future as well you never know you never know i hope so but yeah thank you for having me Marty. i appreciate okay. it
0: okay all right have a good bye-bye you too.